Lots to talk about today as we get into episode 32 of Night Shift. And as always, Kyle Gamard, Mike Stubbs, your hosts. You can follow us on social media at Stubbs980 with two Bs at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I. M-A-R-D. Follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and up with our friends at globalnews.ca. Uh, Mike, first of all, how you doing? I'm great. This, this is just wild. We're recording this on Thursday morning, and Wednesday, Wednesday was a day. Wednesday was a great day to be any part of a Knights fan because you had the Don Brankley London Knights Hall of Fame inductions, and then you had a game befitting of a day when you enshrined three stars because you had a lot of star performances. Crazy, wild, great finish, and it was a Wednesday. Yeah, which is which is strange. You know, we're not normally accustomed to having the London Knights play on Wednesdays, and you know, we'll, we'll get into that game, the Hall of Fame induction. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit later on about the offense and how it's been clicking for the London Knights of late. Uh, Rick Stedman, who's going to be joining us, going to talk fast starts. Mike Levin uh, on playing uh, for Team Israel in the World Juniors Division Three and his season so far. We'll tee up the weekend as well. But Mike, let's start with that Hall of Fame game. You know, the London Knights, uh, Denver Barky. 32 seconds left in the third period throws a shot on net. It's never a bad idea. And that gives the London Knights the victory over the rival Kitchener Rangers. Here is Logan Mayhew, Bell River native, first round pick of the Montreal Canadiens. Pass throw goes to Easton Cowan. Cowan is in deep. Cowan around to the right side. Cowan still looking. Cowan to Barkey back in front. Cowan knocked the puck out of the air. Back to Barkey. Barkey from the blue line. Scores! Denver Barkey! And with 32 seconds left, the Knights lead 5-4. If we go back to Monday night, Kyle, and we look at two of the Knights' lines on the ice, you go back to Monday night, George Diaco and Sean McGurn and Ruslan Gazazov could not miss. Every pass connected. They made every play they wanted to make. And it seemed like the line of Ryan Winter, Easton Cowan, and Denver Barkey had the opposite happen to them, where nothing was clicking, nothing was connecting. And then the reverse happened against the Kitchener Rangers, but it happened in, in kind of a neat way for Barkey and Cowan and Ryan Winterton. Winterton is still, I'm sure he's texting with Marco Costantini because I think he's up to 14 shots on his former goaltender. They won the OHL championship last year together, and Costantini has stopped all of them. But that line was making plays all night. They were creating chances. Even though Winterton was being stopped, even though Barkey was being stopped, Cowan too, they were, there was something there. And at the end of the game, they get the puck deep. Cowan just hot pursuit throughout the game. And he knocks a puck out of the air, gets it back to Denver Barkey. And next thing you know, it's in the net. And there's a big celebration at center ice. Well, and then Ryan Winterton as well, who set up the opening goal for the London Knights on a two-on-one shorthand. It was Sean McGurn. And yeah, he he was definitely everywhere. But he was making plays whether he was on that line or not on that line. And yeah, just I I feel like there has been so much happening with this team. I, I don't want to gloss over the fact that the London Knights won nine, five on Monday at home against Flint in a goal filled game where 
Ruslan Gazazov had a goal and seven points on the night. Sean McGurn had a hat trick and six. And that line, like we said, combined for 17 points on Monday. And they continued rolling with five more goals on Wednesday. Zach Bowen got the start on this one. And he also collected his 11th straight victory, which... I don't know if you know, Mike, if it's some kind of record, if we're creeping up on some kind of record, if he's chasing Brett Brochu, who I think may have set a similar record. Yes, I and I'm going to go back and see what Brett Brochu has in terms of consecutive victories. But 11, 11's hard to do. And 11 in a way in which he was put into a spot that you look and say, all right, this is a rookie goaltender. Look at the growth. And I'm telling you, scouts are starting to ask a lot of questions about Zach Bowen. Scouts are coming to watch Zach Bowen. And last night, they would have been really impressed because in the first period, the Knights had times when they were a little loose in their own zone. Kitchener capitalized. Kitchener built that two to nothing lead. And then you have to look at Zach Bowen and the fact that the Knights get a goal to make it 2-1. Next thing you know, a puck is being dumped into the London zone. It hits something, and we'll tell you what that is in just a moment, but it hits something, deflects toward the net. Bowen was coming out of his net to play it, and then kind of tries to come back in. It goes off his stick and in. Seven seconds later, and that's a crusher. That, for any young goalie, you're just thinking, wow, this is not my night three goals have gone in and i don't know it's only the first period but he rebounded in a huge way and boy was he good in the rest of the second period and the third period the rest of the game if you want to know what happened on that play and it's it's interesting it brings up a hockey rule that i don't know how many people know this rule so the kitchener rangers after the knights had scored win the face off and Leighton Moore gives to Reed Vladin. He goes to dump it in. And the puck actually hit off the skate of an official who had jumped up on the London Knights bench in order to get out of the way so that that dump in could happen. So here's the thing. And this is why if you were in the building, they had to review it. If that puck had traveled straight into the London Knight net, if it had not struck the stick of Zach Bowen at all, that goal doesn't count. Because a puck cannot go off an official and into the net and count. However, because Bowen was athletic enough to stop and reach back and get a piece of that puck, it no longer was going off an official and in. It went off a player and in. Therefore, the goal counted. So I was wondering why they were looking at it, unless for some reason it hit a stanchion that was out of play or maybe hit a player. But that is a very interesting point that I never even thought of. And if, yeah, if Bowen had just lets it in, all of a sudden it's a 2-1 game. And I know London ends up winning the game regardless, but it's one of those situations where, you know, if Bowen doesn't touch that puck and this goal happens immediately after the London Knights go down the ice shorthanded, and cut the lead to two to one off the opening face off after that goal, the puck gets dumped in Zach Bowen just gets a piece of it, goes into the back of the net. And then it's a three, one game. So I don't know how much difference that makes in the game, but you're right. It, it, it potentially is a backbreaking moment that one he rebounds from the team rebounds from, and they find a way to come out with a victory. 
That was important. And that's the kind of stuff that you got to do. Kitchener is coming hard every game. They raise their level when they come to Budweiser Gardens. They did it in the last game. This is a team that is still in eighth place. And the Guelph Storm are getting a little further and a little further and a little further ahead. And it would be it would be a reason you wouldn't want to finish in first place in the Western Conference, to be honest, if your first round matchup is the Kitchener Rangers. But they just can't seem to get that role going. And last night, the Knights got the role going during the game and they come back. Isaiah George, can we talk oh. about his goal, Kyle? Wow. Oh. Pass over to Isaiah George, left side. Penalties are over. Winterton and Motu back on the ice. Here is Isaiah George. Back to the left point. George waiting, looking, moving in deep. George gets in behind the net. George cuts in front. Scores! Wow! Isaiah George. 4-3. Special, special stuff. The puck goes into the, the Kitchener zone. It gets fed to George. He's almost in like the corner on the sidewall. He then tries to drive the net, stops up, cuts all the way back to the blue line, has a guy on him the entire time, stops up again, makes its way to the net, doesn't look like he's going to be dangerous, and as soon as he sees the hesitation from the defender, he puts his shoulder down, cuts to the net, throws it towards his backhand, and chips it through Marco Constantini for a remarkable uh, individual play that showcases his skating ability, his awareness, why he's the draft pick of the New York Islanders. And this is also, Mike, not the first time where he has had his head up gliding and then makes a move cuts to the net. He did that earlier this season too on an assist where he drove the net, took a shot, and it set up a Sean McGurn goal very similarly. Definitely. And he just has that ability. You mentioned dropping the shoulder and the ability to read what players are doing. Because that's what he was doing. He was looking for just that little lean to tell him that he was going to have enough room in front. And that's a rare ability. When you can really feel that more so than even see it, you just feel, okay, that guy's starting to lean. I got I got this inside. And he took it. And he scores a great goal. Will Nickel winds up scoring in his OHL debut. And this is somebody who the Knights have been waiting to see at this level. but. Let's face it, you want to make sure somebody's ready when they get to the OHL, and it's been one of those traits of the London Knights forever. So Will Nichols started this year in the GOJHL. We've had discussions about why that can be so important. You're playing against players who are older than you. It's the same age range as the OHL, and you can find your feet and find your footing. And Will Nichols leads the St. Thomas Stars in scoring, 56 points in 36 games before he headed into a Knights game last night. And then Max McHugh gets a puck to him in front, makes no mistake. McHugh chasing into the right corner. Nickel up there as well. Nickel to McHugh. Out in front. Nickel scores! William Nichols first in the OHL. And he's tied the game 4-4. But it wasn't only that. It wasn't only that goal. It was all of the little things he he just does the right thing when he gets the puck. He's chipping it deep. He's not trying to do too much. And yet, as the game wore on, he just seemed to get more and more comfortable. So, Will Nickel, wow, what a what a great play he made on that goal. And then, unfortunately, during the flyby of the bench, getting all the high fives, he got knocked down. So, <laughs> we had a... <laughs> 
We had a chance to talk with Will Nickel about that moment, well, and about all of the other moments in the game. Scored, did the celebration. As you said, I went for the flyby, and uh, all the guys were celebrating on the bench, and uh, Landon Sim, he went for a, he went to hug me as I was going through the flyby, and he sort of, he caught my, he caught my cage, and I just sort of clotheslined me, and I fell backwards, and yeah, it kind of hurt, but it was all worth it. But it was well worth it. Yeah, you don't expect that. I mean, a flyby on the bench is is just high fives. You don't expect someone to go for a hug. No, no, yeah. That just shows how excited everybody was. You had had a great game up to that point. I mean, doing the things that every player is supposed to do, getting pucks deep, making the plays that you need to make. Then Jackson Edward gets a puck into the offensive zone. Max McHugh is going chasing after it. Take us to where you were and what you remember of scoring your first OHL goal. Well, I saw Hugh go in for the – for the forward check and he sort of like made a real like a awesome play like just one of those little things that uh, not many people notice but they're crucial he sort of punched uh schmidt's elbow the defenseman to make him cough up the puck while i was on the floor check and so i i got the puck gave it to q and then q passed it back door to julian who made a sick play back door to me for an awesome tic-tac-toe goal so when you saw the puck coming do you remember thinking anything, or was this just all, hey, I've been here before, muscle memory, you just <laughs> knock it in? It was just a blur. I saw the puck come, and I saw the empty cage, and I just threw it in, and it happened. And what a big goal. It ties the game 4-4, something you guys hadn't been able to get at that point. You'd been fighting back from two goal deficits. You finally get that. Yeah. What was the noise like inside the arena when that puck went in? Oh, it was unreal. Like nothing I've ever heard before. Like I'm used to playing in front of like a couple hundred fans, not what like thousands. So it was just it was an unreal feeling. The crowd is amazing. You ready to do that a few more times over your career? Oh yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Before we let you go, you've had a sensational year up to this point with the St. Thomas Stars. What's that experience been like for you, being able to play in the Greater Ontario Junior Hockey League? Honestly, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, like great teammates, great coaching staff. It's a, it's a, it's an un, it's been an unreal experience so far. I think we have a great team and uh, a great group of guys. So uh, we're looking to go on a big playoff run this year. You, Mario Lemieux, and a few other very famous people scoring goals in their first game at a high level. <laughs> Congratulations again, Will. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. Yep. Thank you very much, Will Nickel of the London Knights. Now we'll see how things progress from here. The Knights have two more games left in six games in nine days, and that will be against the Erie Otters on Friday, February the 10th, and then in Guelph on Saturday, February 11th. And then six games in nine days will be over and done with. The busiest part of their schedule, not an easy one, but so far so good. The Knights have won the first four, and they have won six games in a row heading into their matchup with the Erie Otters. And yesterday was really special for the fact that the Don Brankley Hall of Fame inductees were there. They were honored 
on the ice surface at center ice before the game. Dennis Weidman brought out his three kids. And Dan Maloney and Rick Green and Dennis Weidman have now been enshrined in the Don Brankley Hall of Fame. You can find it on the third floor of Budweiser Gardens on the concourse. Just head down to the east end and you can read plaques and you can see all of the history of the players who have been inducted. Kyle, Dennis Weidman told a great story about Don Brankley because this is the man who the Hall of Fame is named after. He was the guy who looked after Knights players for decades as the Knights athletic trainer. And Dennis Weidman said he, he was on his way in. He thought, I've got to tell a story about Branks. And so he thought back and he remembered back to when he was just a rookie in the OHL. And so this is 2001. And back then you didn't have things like glass separating the bench from the fans so depending on the rink that you went into kitchener where he now works as a an assistant coach with the kitchener rangers that was one of those classic places and he didn't say whether it was kitchener or not where he was but that was a very famous place for the people right in behind the bench to just give the players a hard time just yell at them all game long that was just kind of part of it and so they're they're at a game and that scenario is there where you've got all these fans and Don Brankley is yelling at the fans and the fans are yelling back at him and he would return and they would come back at him again. It was back and forth. And finally, Dennis looked at him and he said, Branks, what are you doing? Why are you yelling at them? And Branks looks at him and he says, Dennis, if they're yelling at me, they're not yelling at you. And that summed up Don Brankley perfectly. Wow. That is, that's some story right there. And I, I, I love that Dennis Wyman can go back and mention a story like that. And it's, it's really cool. I, he walked by and he, him and I had a, like, he looked at me and I looked at him cause I was wearing the nice Jersey and he looked at my crest and he looked up and he kind of smirked and kept walking. So it was, uh, it was, I don't know why it just felt like it was a, a fun little moment. And he was saying hi to all the people who all still know him very well within the organization. And he, uh, he definitely loves making his way on back to London every time Kitchener has to play there. Um, but not yesterday because the London Knights, again, offensively, Mike, I want to get into this here as I, we transition. But the Knights scored five goals on Wednesday night, and they are now up to 23 goals scored over their last four contests, which is over seven goals a game. This is really interesting because last year, London had you know two incredible scores with Luke Evangelista, Antonio Stranges, even Sean McGurn last year had 60 plus points too, but it was a lot within those two players that summed up a lot of the offense for them. Well, the London Knights and the, and the, all of the Ontario hockey league are fifth overall in scoring, but on top of that are top three in the fewest goals against the only team that is better in both categories than the London Knights are the Ottawa 67s. Not bad. Not bad. And the Knights have beaten the 67s twice this year. I think it's a stat that doesn't get talked about enough. We go into a lot of different metrics and a lot of different individual stats. But if you're a team that's scoring a lot and you're not allowing a lot of goals, you're a good team. <laughs> and it's one of those basic stats that's been there forever. And the Knights typically find ways to be where they are in both of those categories. And Kyle, let's remember, this is the same team that started this year scoring four goals in their first three games. And everybody was saying, uh-oh. Uh oh, they're not able to score. Where's the scoring going to come from? This isn't going to be good. This is going to be a tough year. 
Well, they find it, and they're using their speed to make it happen. They're getting into the offensive zone quickly against Flint. They were making plays that Flint simply wasn't ready for. And then you even look at that last goal against Kitchener, the game winner that we were talking about. What was it that allowed that to happen? It was the quickness of the players on the ice. Easton Cowan, Denver Barkey, Ryan Winterton, and their ability to move that puck because it entered on the left side of the Kitchener's zone it moved around behind the net it kind of got caught up Logan Mayu got a piece of it it chipped up in the air Easton Cowan knocks it down Denver Barkey is back in a place where he shouldn't have been he shouldn't have been on the blue line but he was just following the play and because he was doing that Kitchener was very disorganized defensively and therefore you didn't have clogged lanes and Denver Barkey's shot had a lane to get through. So that speed, that quickness, that's what's creating that offense. And then that defensive system that the Knights have had forever, where, you know, when you sit and you watch video with Dale Hunter, he'll notice things like that stick should be there, or this guy should be a little bit higher or just these little things. And over time, the players learn exactly where you need to be in each situation. And it's one of the reasons why they've become very tough to score on the other, the two headed monster of Zach Bowen and Brett Brochu, by the way, Brett Brochu will hear this in a second from Rick Stedman. He is listed as day to day with a lower body injury. You'll hear Rick Stedman call it a tweak. So hopefully it isn't going to hold him out for too long, but there's still a lot of games to come. February is a really busy month has been for the London Knights will continue to be. And so they want to make sure that he's a hundred percent before he gets back in the crease. Well, and especially after last year too, right? Where Zach or um, where Brett Brochu missed a significant period of time dealing with injury, he might have tried to come back. I don't know if it was early or not, but he came back game one of the uh, of the playoffs, and it's uh, it's tough to just automatically get thrown back into something after being off for months with an injury and try to be 100%. So, yes, the Knights have a goaltender in Zach Bowen who they can start for a couple of games and let Brett Brochu get to 100%. Just also before we transition here, eight players, Mike, on the London Knights with 30 or more points. Two of them defensemen, Oliver Bonk and Logan Mayhew. Sean McGurn leading the team with 63 points so far. And you mentioned Rick Stedman. Uh, we were able to catch up with him in, uh, in chat. Of course, former London Knight and assistant. He was with the London Knights for four seasons, playing in 233 games for London. And fast starts, especially we've come to notice, maybe not on a Wednesday, but a few games prior to that, you know, London had really exploded uh, with a couple of four-goal first periods and really coming to start from the moment the puck dropped. And I think that's a really big key to London's success lately. It is. It is. And we talked with Rick because this seems to be a simple thing. This seems to be like if you score more goals and if you allow fewer goals, you're going to give yourself a chance to win. We always hear teams talking about fast starts, but it isn't that easy. So we asked Rick, why isn't it that easy? It's just one of those things. You might have not had a good nap that day, or maybe you had a bad practice the game before, so you get out there and you don't have the confidence. And, and it just makes it hard if you if you all of a sudden you're back on your heels and then you got Brosh or Bowen trying to make big saves and keeping us in the game, or one gets in because we're not ready, and, and then you're chasing the game and you have to play different. But if you can get on your toes, get them backed off, and score a big goal early, then you seem to be on your toes and get them pushed back. After talking about it, there was a focus on it. And you've done exactly that. What have you seen from your team early in building the leads you've built? 
You know what? I think they've kept it simple. I think uh, they've just been moving the puck up quick, getting in the offensive zone, make, trying to make them make the mistakes, and where we just got to go in, try to go stick on puck, and then if you get a chance, put it in. And we saw last night a lot go in, and a few other nights they, they've been really getting around that net and banging them in for us. In the game against the Flint Firebirds, second period, Brett Brochu makes an incredible save, and then, you know, Matt Bogart, Knights athletic trainer, comes onto the ice, checks him out. He finishes the second period. He didn't play in the third. Can you update us on how he's doing? Yeah. No, it was more of one of those things. He, he made that huge save, and he had to stretch so far to make it that he just tweaked something a little bit. And it was more they they talked to the doctors, talked with Bogey, we talked to the coaching staff, and it's just not worth it to, to especially in this stretch of all these games, to turn a tweak into a, a full blown injury. So we know we have Bo. He's been playing great for us. We have full confidence in him. So we thought, you know what? Let's put him in, make sure, and then we can uh, update Broach today and, and work him through it. London Knights assistant coach Rick Stedman always has a great view of how things are going because he's been there as a player, he's there as a coach, and has a great understanding of how players tick. Oh, and I, I love hearing the insights, especially when it's, one, guys that have played before, but two, then have a whole other uh, sense when they're on the bench and maybe can see different things that you wouldn't like be able to catch if you're in the stands or up in the press box or anything like that. And you're on the ice and on the ice level and you have an opportunity to maybe catch some certain tendencies and things that you've experienced and then bring it to today's game. And I love getting insight like that from, uh, from former players and guys who were with this organization. Definitely. Well, Rick played every shift like it was his last and that made a big difference. Scored some huge goals. Scored a huge goal once against the Erie Otters. So we'll talk about the Erie Otters in just a little bit. But we also had a chance to catch up with Mike Levin this week. Mike Levin is a draft pick of the London Knights, but what a story. His story is he's from Israel. And when he was in Israel with his family as an older brother named David, who was drafted first overall in the OHL by the Sudbury Wolves a few years ago, his brother saw hockey on TV. This is how the story goes. Brother saw hockey on TV, said, that's something I want to do. And that started a course that has now led the two of them to Canada and to the game of hockey. David is playing in Europe at the moment. But Kyle, look at the year he's having with the St. Thomas Stars. Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, when you look at his stats, they're video game-like. So Mike Levin right now with St. Thomas has... 32 goals and 45 points in 25 games. He is averaging well over a goal per game. And this isn't, by the way, an anomaly for him because at the third division of the world juniors where Israel was playing him, he had 12 goals and 19 points in six games. So this isn't like he's playing in, you know, a league where he's taking advantage of it. He has played now, he's played in multiple leagues where he has shown his offensive ability and has thrived everywhere he's gone so far. It's a fantastic story. 10th round selection, 180th overall back in the 2021 OHL priority selection. And I, we rode up in the elevator with him yesterday too. He was at the game and super humble, very, very nice guy, very approachable. Absolutely. And you know what coaches say about him? He just has this ability to find holes in goalies. So all those goals that you're talking about, he just knows how to find holes. And here's the thing he was able to do recently. He was able to go back and play with guys that he hadn't seen in a long, long time, represent his country of Israel at the Division Three World Junior Hockey Championship. They went all the way to the gold medal game. 
And we had an opportunity to talk with Mike about what that was like. Yeah, I, I had so much fun seeing all my family, all my friends um, from back home. It was a, a great experience to, to see all of them and play for my country. Yeah, we don't get to think about that enough where, you know, you've made that move. It's not like you can pick up and, and drive an hour and see your family and, and people that you knew when you were really young. So how, how many people were around? Yeah, so like my mom and dad came there and see me there for the two weeks. And yeah, like you said, it's a long way and it's not near. It's like 10 hours flight. So, well, like I said, so much fun seeing everyone and yeah, great experience. So let's talk about the tournament itself. How did that level of hockey compare to what you see with either the St. Thomas Stars or with the London Knights? Did it feel similar? Um, of course, not like with the Knights, but um, like the Junior B, uh, I think like it was com- like almost the same, same level with the top teams there. And yeah, you're a guy who scores goals and does a great job finding holes in the goalie. You had a four goal game. Take us to that game. What was that like? Yeah, it's, uh, it was like I said, so much fun. Like my my teammates and my my team helped me so much to to get to this point, but. Yeah, like I said, um, I love these guys. I miss miss those guys, and it was great to see them and play with them again. Did you know a lot of them on the team? Yeah, I grew up with every single one of them. Like we live close to each other, so we play growing up with each other all all our life. And yeah, what was playing hockey in Israel like? Um, not really good. Like growing up, wasn't a lot of ice hockey rinks and. And stuff much not, not much hockey but my dad um, opened opened a big hockey school three years ago back home and it's, the hockey starting to get better and better every, every day we've heard stories that your brother david saw hockey on tv liked it wanted to do it is that true yeah the, i saw it uh, the first thing he said like to my dad they want to move to canada and, and be a professional hockey player and keep pushing pushing him every day and that's where you go was that the reason your family moved to Canada? Um, it's, it's only me and my brother. My, my family and my parents are still back home in Israel. So, yeah, after the season, we go visit them all the time, train together, me and my brother at my dad hockey school, and it's, it's great. So who did you come and live with then in Canada? So my first three years, I was living with my uncle. So he helped me a lot during the three, three years in Toronto. I was living with him and going to school in Toronto and was going to school with Denver Barkey and Logan, so I knew them before, so that was a good time. Very thanks to my uncle for letting me stay in his house. And yeah. When we look at the end of the tournament, you guys get all the way to the gold medal game. Australia looked pretty good, but getting that far for Israel, what did that mean? Yeah, it's meant a lot for the country. Like Everyone was training so hard to get to this point. Um, Sucks we can't get it done, but um, we had the young team, very young team, and we're going to next year come stronger, and we're almost the same team. Yeah, we had the young team, so, yeah, like I said, we're going to come come next year stronger and going to win it. That bodes well. Well, congratulations on the year that you've had with the St. Thomas Stars. It's been amazing. Good luck with everything going forward. Thank you so much. Thank you. London Knights forward, St. Thomas Stars forward, Mike Levin. And I love that. He thinks next year, you look around, they're going to have roughly the same team, and they will go and they will win. That is their idea. You heard that from him. They will win and move up a level.
because the world juniors, sure, you've got Canada and the U.S. and Czechia and Slovakia and Finland and Sweden, but you also have other levels all the way down to where Israel is as a growing hockey nation. And maybe if that hockey school of Mike and David Levin's dads takes off, we get more players coming out of Israel. Kyle, we've got two more games left in this run of six games in nine days for the London Knights. The Knights beat Erie 5-1 on Saturday. The Knights have played five games against the Otters this year. The Otters won the first one. That was part of that three-game set we were talking about where the Knights scored four goals. Since then, the Knights have won all of them. This is another one where you want to pick up points, where you want to make sure that you are getting as many points as you can and trying to keep with the Windsor Spitfires in that race for top spot in the Western Conference. Yeah, you know, there's the London and Windsor kind of going blow for blow here, trying to keep up there. And it's it's been a lot of hockey. And like you mentioned earlier, Mike, they've done great during these the six games and nine days stretch. They're also in a five and seven where they've played five games over basically a week span. And it kind of concludes on Tuesday uh, on the road, but they, uh, they have a home game against Erie, as you mentioned, and a game you never want to take lightly because Erie always plays London hard. And then that Guelph team, they have been playing some really good hockey, as you said, late. And that is going to be a tough one on the road. Second half of back-to-back with their fifth game in seven days. And you kind of hope that Brett Brochu is okay and that it is day-to-day and maybe he's able to get one of those starts maybe on the Saturday. But nevertheless, it's, you know, London's been doing it. It's not like they haven't been and will continue to be a good test as the, the season slowly makes its way to the end. You're right. Well, Guelph has won five of their last seven games. They won in overtime. They won in a shootout. They're finding ways to win. And right now, if we look at those standings as we record this on Thursday morning, Guelph has a five-point lead over the Kitchener Rangers between seventh and eighth. That's the gap that Kitchener is trying to close. Saginaw and Flint will probably continue to fall down the standings. It'll be up to Guelph and Kitchener to try and catch them. But right now, if you are one of the top two teams, which normally helps you out a whole lot, it doesn't help you out much this year in the OHL because you got Guelph and Kitchener in those two spots. You know how Sidney Crosby's been saying he wants the one through eight to return the conference style format in the NHL. I think the Knights and the Spitfires and the Sarnia Sting, they may want to change that a little bit. They they might want to look at the wild card format to see whether or not that would change their prospects should you grab one of those top two spots. And remember, the Knights are in a good spot because they have a, a big lead over the Owen Sound attack and the division winners always get the top two seeds. So even if they're not number one, they can be number two. And their lead over Owen Sound with the same number of games played is 12 points. Both teams have 20 games left. Making up 12 points over 20 games, especially with the way the Knights have been playing, that's going to be tough. So the Knights haven't clinched one of the top two spots yet, but in the next few weeks, we'll be talking about the possibility of that for sure. It is going to be very interesting. And, you know, I'm excited to see how that's all going to wrap up. And, you know, we've seen London get in a a good, tough, grueling first round series. And if it ends up being one of those two teams, I would expect the same thing. I would not expect it to be any easy series where London just 
makes their way on through like it's nothing. So that's for later on. But uh, in front of us, Erie on Friday, Guelph on Saturday, and then we'll tee up next week's games on the next episode of the podcast. Until then, follow along with all the episodes, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Megaphone, and Global News. .ca, at Stubbs980 on social media with two Bs at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. And we'll see you then. Mike, we'll see you the next couple days here. Go Knights, go. Go Knights, go.